Hello, Wild Wanderers, and welcome to another episode of the Dispatches from the Forest podcast. Today, I want to tell you about the fastest animal in the world. No, it's not the cheetah, and it's not that spider you saw last week that you swore broke the sound barrier escaping when you tried to smash it. Don't smash spiders, by the way. Listen to episode 7 to find out why not. No, I'm talking about the peregrine falcon. Peregrines earn the title of fastest animal on earth because they have been clocked at nearly 240 miles an hour when they're diving after prey. They're the world's most widespread raptor too, but just 50 years ago, they were in danger of extinction. Now, thankfully, peregrines have made a comeback and are now thriving, and they're doing it in some pretty surprising locations. So let's take a closer look at the incredibly fast peregrine falcon. But don't blink, you might miss it. I'm your host, Tim the Nature Nerd O'Hara, and this is the Dispatches from the Forest podcast. Now, like I just mentioned, the peregrine falcon is the world's most widespread raptor. In fact, the only land-based bird with a wider geographic distribution is the rock pigeon. And in many places, rock pigeons were introduced by humans and, ironically, have become a major prey species for the peregrine. Peregrines are found on every continent except Antarctica, from sea level up to about 12,000 feet, and they live in a wide variety of habitats, including deserts, grasslands, tundra, forests, and, as we'll talk about in a little bit, the urban jungle. Antarctica and other extreme polar regions aside, the only places they're not found are tropical rainforests and New Zealand. Now you might be thinking, what do peregrines have against New Zealand? And the answer is, I don't know. But if I had to guess, I would say it probably has to do with New Zealand's location relative to other land masses. Plus, they have their own species of falcon, the New Zealand falcon, which is very similar to the peregrine in behavior and diet. Now, peregrine is defined as having a tendency to wander, and this falcon definitely lives up to that definition. While peregrines in regions where the winters are mild may not migrate, tundra-nesting peregrines may go as far as South America in the winter, covering over 15,000 miles round trip. Joining me now to talk more about peregrine falcons is Deb Waracek. Deb is part of the raptor education team at Fontenelle Forest Nature Center in Bellevue, Nebraska. Hi Deb, how are you? I am well, Tim. Glad to talk to you. We miss seeing you around the forest, but we're glad we're still connected in a way. Yeah, yeah. Well, tell me about peregrine falcons. What would you like to know? I want to know yeah, everything. Teaching the children or young kids about them, and even adults, we say, would you like to meet the fastest animal on the planet? And then we go from there, and we talk about the fact that they are the fastest animal on the planet. Um, they are in the falcon family, which is the race cars of the raptors. And um, peregrine falcons have absolutely the coolest way to hunt. Um, they go in a stoop. They eat primarily birds. Although I learned last night that some migrate to Brazil and Rio de Janeiro has an area where they will fly 
under the street lights to catch bats and they have adapted to that in the winter oh, when they're cool. down there which is cool um but they eat 77 to 90 something percent birds so they fly up above the bird and then um they'll see it down below with their excellent eyesight and then they go into a spiral dive called a stoop. And every time they turn a corner, it exponentially goes faster and faster and faster. They have been clocked at more than 200 miles an hour. Then when they, and if you see a peregrine, you notice when they're on the glove, they have huge feet, just real long, bright yellow toes. And when they catch up to the bird, they make a fist, give them a karate chop to the bird, knock the wind out of them or break their wing or possibly break their back. And then on their upper mandible is a little tomial tooth that hangs down on either side, kind of like little bitty fangs. And that fits exactly around the spinal cord and they bite the back of the neck and the bird dies instantly and then as they go down, they continue plucking the bird. And a lot of times the bird is completely plucked by the time they get to the ground. The bird never <laughs> knows what it is. Wow. Incredible. And their, their coloring gives them some camouflage. Isn't that right? Yes, they are dark, uh, slate blue on the back if they're adults. Um, juveniles tend to be more of a chocolate brown and they're striped on the back. So if you're up above and look down, they very much blend into the ground or the surface of the ground. If you're looking up, they're light and striped on the front. And so um, that, if you look up, they would blend into the clouds in the sky. Um, because of that diving, they have some other way cool adaptations. You'll notice they look like they've got eye black on that goes down. Mm -hmm. That's called a malar stripe, M-A-L-A-R. And that helps with diurnal or daytime hunting and um, keeps the sun out of their eyes. And, um, and then inside their nostril, they have an extra bone that's cone-shaped like similar to the cone you see in a jet engine of, of an uh, airplane. And it's kind of cool because if they were diving more than 200 miles an hour, they're diving head first. They're not, you know, most of the raptors will grab with their feet and carry away. Peregrine is wanderer and they will not get their feet involved until they catch up to the birds. So, when they're diving, they have their wings folded flat. They're very aerodynamic and they're going head first to the ground. And then at the last second, they'll pull up and go up and not, they don't smack into the water or the ground very often. Cool. It is very, very cool. Um, but the, I asked my, this is a side, I asked my husband about the caruncle or the weird bone in their nostrils. And he said, yes, the, the cone is to slow the air down as it goes into the engine because the engine would cut off with too much oxygen in it. And if you were a peregrine, your lungs would explode. Huh. Yeah. 
when you think about it, it's like, wow. Yeah, that's really neat. Yeah. And I know sometimes they miss their prey, don't they? And then they yeah. swoop and up from underneath. Right back up and keep on going. It's amazing. That's, that uh, is amazing. It, historically, they have nested on cliffs along rivers they like um, because they like to eat duck and stuff. Um, but they also have adapted very, very well um, to nesting on the top of skyscrapers like the Woodman Tower in, in Omaha. Um, and then, you know, I always tell the kids, well, where, when the pioneers came, where did they build the cities? They built them along the rivers. Sure. So they could get supplies and stuff. Someone's calling you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to talk about the Woodman Life Falcons um, yeah. a little bit later in the podcast. Okay. We get into some of that. Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty cool to to imagine when I grew up, they were called duck hawks and they're not hawks. Yeah. <laughs> and they do eat ducks a lot. Sure. Um, and as far as nest building or anything like that, um, they tend to have a scrape. Mm -hmm. um, and so they've adapted very well to nesting on the top of the building because they have that gravelly stuff on top Sure. And then cities are extremely excited to have them in the area because they keep the pigeon and sparrow and blackbird population down, which could become an issue with um, a city. Sure. Yeah. Um, they are considered monogamous during breeding season. Um, they tend to hang out together. They may or may not migrate. It depends on what uh, resources are found in their um, territory. If they're, <laughs> the phone hasn't run that much in a long time. Of course not. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but if they're, um, if they have a lot of good resources, um, uh, they may not migrate. We do have a couple of pair here in Nebraska who don't migrate and stay here. In the 1950s, peregrine populations plummeted, primarily from the effects of pesticides like DDT. DDT builds up in the fatty tissues of birds and reduces the amount of calcium in their eggshells. Thinner eggshells means higher mortality of the young, which frankly, for peregrines, is already pretty high under normal conditions. Many of the peregrines' prey species were similarly impacted, as were bald eagles, which were probably the most high-profile victim of DDT. The once widespread peregrine became locally extinct in parts of their range, including the eastern United States. Hunting and egg collecting further exacerbated the peregrines' decline. In 1970, peregrine falcons were listed as endangered under the Endangered Species Conservation Act of 1969, the precursor to the Endangered Species Act. Now, fortunately, with restrictions on the use of DDT, the protection afforded by the Endangered Species Act, and the help of captive breeding programs, peregrine populations started to recover. 
Captive hatched peregrine chicks are fed through a tube or using a peregrine puppet to prevent them from imprinting on or becoming desensitized to humans. As they grow, the rearing box is open so the birds can start to fly and strengthen their wings. And as they continue to get stronger, feeding is reduced, which forces the young falcons to learn to hunt for themselves. When they're ready to be released, they're banded for identification and tracking, then placed in special cages on top of a cliff or a tower for several days to allow them to acclimate before they're set free. Now, falcons mate for life, although they may split up if they suffer repeated failed nesting attempts, and if one of the pair dies, the survivor will find a new mate. But they generally return to the same nesting sites. Males help incubate the eggs during the day, although the night shift is solely the responsibility of the female. Peregrines can live up to 19 years in the wild, but the average lifespan is about 13, and they have to survive the first year. That's when the mortality rate is 60 to 70 percent. But if they can make it to their first birthday, mortality declines to around 25 or 30 percent. Hawks, eagles, and great horned owls all may prey on falcons, and in areas like the tundra where they nest on the ground, they're vulnerable to predators like foxes or coyotes. Other causes of death include territorial battles with other peregrines, collisions with buildings, vehicles, or power lines, and extreme heat waves or cold snap, which, with global climate change, may be a bigger concern in the near future. Normally, in the wild, peregrines prefer to nest on cliff ledges if they can. Now, like Deb mentioned, they don't really build a nest, but just scrape out a depression. But they've also been known to take over the abandoned nests of other birds. When captive breeding recovery efforts first started, the people involved began to notice something interesting. Many falcons were migrating to large cities and nesting on the urban cliffs of skyscrapers and bridges. Not only that, but the peregrines were doing quite well, feeding largely on the other bird that is plentiful in big cities and that I mentioned briefly in the opening, pigeons. Recognizing this adaptation to city living, biologists began releasing falcons on urban rooftops. The Woodman Life Tower in Omaha, Nebraska provides a great case study in urban peregrines. In 1988, the Nebraska Falcon Project released a pair of adult falcons on top of the Woodman Life Tower, which, at the time, was the tallest building in downtown Omaha. Over the next couple of years, at least 12 peregrines were hatched and released on top of the Woodman Life Building. One of the hatchlings from 1989, a male named Woody, would return in following years, but it would take until 1992 until he found a mate and nested on the tower. Woody and his mate Wendy hatched three chicks named Ariel, Zenith, and Skywalker, making those the first known wild peregrine falcon chicks hatched in Nebraska in close to 100 years. Now, peregrine's habit of returning to the same nesting sites, especially in urban areas, makes it easy to set up cameras for nest site monitoring. In addition to Omaha's Woodman Life Tower, Many other cities have live feed falcon cams, including Berkeley, California, Boston, Massachusetts, Harrisonburg, Pennsylvania, and Utica, New York, just to name a few. Chicks, especially those from well-known and closely monitored nests in urban areas, like the Woodman Life Tower nesting site, are often banded so they can be identified and tracked. And what this tracking reveals is that falcon life is fraught with the kind of danger and drama that makes for really good soap opera. Let me tell you, in 1993, after having their three historic chicks the previous year, Woody and Wendy failed to produce a fertile egg. 
and then Woody disappeared. The next year, 1994, Wendy was killed in a territorial fight with another peregrine, a female named KC, who was hatched in Kansas City. KC's mate was none other than Woody's brother, Sky King. KC and Sky King produced three chicks that year, but only one survived. On a side note, in February of 1995, Sky King was spotted in Paracas, Peru, about 4,000 miles from Omaha. Later that year, back in Nebraska, Sky King and Wendy's single chick would not survive. 1996 saw the arrival of two new peregrines at the Woodman Life Tower. Zeus, a male from Rochester, New York, and Winnie, a female from Manitoba, Canada. Zeus and Sky King duked it out with Zeus the victor, and he took control of the Woodman Life Tower nest, while Sky King, ever the loyal Huskers fan, decided to move over to Lincoln. For the next 15 years, from 1996 to 2011, Zeus would return annually to the Woodman Life Tower. During that time, he had three different mates and fathered 47 chicks. The current nesting male, Chintaka, has been using the nest since 2012 when Zeus failed to return. Chintaka has fathered 36 chicks with three different mates, beginning with Zeus's third mate, Hera. Like the sands through the hourglass. Chintaka's current mate, his third, is named Chayton, and they have been using the nest together since 2018. One of Chintaka's chicks, Charlotte, fathered in 2015 with his second mate, Charity, lives in the Raptor Woodland Refuge at Fontenelle Forest. I'll let Deb tell you more about Charlotte. Well, tell me the story of Charlotte. And maybe it doesn't say what year. I think it's about... 2015. They had babies on the Woodman Tower, and one of the female juvenile peregrines was found walking along the sidewalk and they assumed that she had bumped her head and was stunned. So they picked her up and took her to the um, rehab center and she was fine and they, after a bit, and they took her back, released her again in the area of the Woodman Tower so she could learn from her parents, etc. A few days later, they found her again on the sidewalk. So this time they did a more intensive exam of her and it was decided that her vision was not the best. Well, now if you're a peregrine falcon and you're flying so high in the sky to catch your food that you're a tiny little speck, it wouldn't work if you didn't have good eyes. Sure. So it was decided that this young female would be declared non-releasable. And non-releasable raptors need to have a home. We were building our raptor woodland refuge and we had um, have played specialized houses for um, raptors. And when it was designed, we really wanted to have a Woodman Tower peregrine for display because we wanted to be able to tell the story. We tell the story with our education um, peregrine, but she wasn't born there. She was found in Colorado on a golf course. 
Anyway, Charlotte has moved into our Raptor Woodland Refuge. She's one of the stars of the show, so to speak. And um, she ap appears to really enjoy people saying, hi, Charlotte, when they walk past. But um, she's turned into a beautiful specimen exhibit. We're trying to see if she could eventually become one of our education airplanes. Nice. Thanks, Deb. If you want to learn more about the Woodman Life Tower Falcons or to see the live Falcon cam, visit woodmanlife.org forward slash falcons. To learn more about Fontenelle Forest or to plan a visit, please visit fontenelleforest.org. I want to thank Deb for again for joining me today and sharing her knowledge of Peregrine's and Charlotte's story. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Dispatches from the Forest podcast. You can also follow Dispatches from the Forest on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. If you're enjoying the podcast and you'd like to help support future episodes, please consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com forward slash dispatches from the forest. Tiers start at just $5 a month. Need to get me an urgent message? Peregrines are fast, but email is more reliable. So you can send it to dispatchesfromtheforest at gmail.com. I'm your host, Tim, the Nature Nerd O'Hara, reminding you to go outside and get dirty. The Dispatches from the Forest podcast is a production of Dispatches from the Forest and may not be used or rebroadcast whole or in part without express written permission.